everybody, and welcome back to, is this episode three? Yeah. Episode three of, wait, what? You have to do it with me. Can't just oh. leave me hanging. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Didn't know that part. Wait, <laughs> wait what? what? Did that actually happen, or did that really happen, or whatever, they mean Something. the same thing. Um, okay, so what do you have for us today? Today we're talking about the Tate and LaBianca murders. Um, more commonly, like, referenced with the Manson family. Okay. Um, and so, we're going to talk about the Manson family first, and then get into the crimes, because it breaks it up easier. Buckle in. <laughs> <laughs> or buckle up. Buckle in, I'm buckle up. Um, okay, so Charles Manson is the leader of this cult-like, not cult-like, this is a cult, This they're very culty. Um and so he's born in 1934 in Cincinnati, Ohio, to a sixteen-year-old kid. Um, she, his mom was an alcoholic and a prostitute. Um, and so, so at the age of twelve, he is mom. That was weird. His mom pr- uh, placed him in a boys' home, and he repeatedly ran away to go back home, but um, she didn't want him. And so, over, like, the next 20 years, he spends his time in and out of the reform schools and prisons for various crimes. And so, then in 1967, he finally gets released, and he moves to San Francisco. And he starts this religious cult um, that has a group, has around 100 followers. Um, He shares his passion for an unconventional lifestyle and habitual use of hallucinogenic drugs. So, they're all tripping. Okay. This is already Interesting. (laughs) And so eventually they move to this deserted ranch in the San Fernando Valley known as the the Spawn Ranch. And Manson Uh, has this obsession with this phrase, Helter Skelter, which originates from a Beatles song. So we're dealing with, like, 60s Hollywood now. And uh, so this is going to be, like, a key phrase in this whole story is this Helter Skelter which the way that Charles Manson interprets them is that it's an invitation to begin a race war. The Beatles tells you it's about a swing set on a playground. Very different. Yeah, like super different. <laughs> <laughs> like we're on two different playing fields here. Helter Skelter. Yes. Right. Okay. And so he also has this like strong belief and interest in Armageddon, the book of Revelations. Overall, he has an obsession with the end times and getting to that point. And he thinks that a race war is that like starting point to start all of the ends. Oh, goodness. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, Charles, being oh. that there in California at the time, um, forms a friendship with a member of the Beach Boys, uh, Dennis Wilson. And well, so, the Beach Boys. yeah. And so, Charles was actually relatively somewhat musically inclined okay so he could write songs he knew how to play instruments he sang and so dennis wilson uses charles songwriting skills to his advantage and writes a song with charles manson but then when the song gets released flips it and gives no credit to charles manson doesn't use the same song title he changes parts of it but essentially the bones are the same and this is charles manson's song and this is going to really be like the start of his anger towards Hollywood because he ultimately wanted a record deal with Columbia Records. And so he was like, let me use Dennis Wilson to get in touch with this guy named Terry Milcher, 
who worked for Columbia Records, um, who uh, lived at a very specific home, which is where this is all going to take place later on down the road. So it's a key point. Okay. Um, but it's 150 Silo Drive in Benedict Canyon, California. Okay. How are we doing so far? I'm, I'm there. I'm paying attention. I'm buckled in. <laughs> I guess I started. It... <laughs> Keep going. I guess I messed that up. I th- maybe it's. 10,050? I don't know. It's one with three zeros and five and then another zero. I don't really know. Addresses are weird in California. We don't do okay. that here. Long, uh, yeah, right? Long addresses. We don't have them numbers. Cool. We're okay. lucky if we get four. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay, so now let's talk about briefly the key characters in the cult. Um, you have Susan Atkins. She was born in 1948. Side note, there's a lot of an age gap between him and and all of these people. Like, wow. for them, it's it's a good 14 years. And she's probably the oldest one up the group. And he's, like, best friends with all these people. Which is first red flag, sir. Find friends your own age. So she's born in 1948 in California to alcoholic parents. She's uh, all noted to be shy and that her family life deteriorated quickly because her mom died of cancer. Her father abandoned her. And then she eventually bounced from family member to family member until she meets Manson in 67 and is asked to join his commune. And so she was very strong in her belief that Manson was Jesus in the flesh. And she becomes a very dedicated follower and is like, a puppy will do whatever he asks of her. So now we have Leslie Van Houten. And she was born in 1949. She started using drugs at 15 years old, runs away from home, briefly returns to finish out high school, but then her mom forces her to have an abortion at the age of 17. And so she eventually, yeah, so this pushes her to flee away from home and go to the hippie commune where she later finds her way to Manson and is having a party because she starts to heavily rely on on LSD and these other psychedelic drugs that he's providing for her. And so she's she's a fun time. You'll you'll notice that all of these people have very like tragic backgrounds and like rough lives. And I'm not making fun of them, but I'm also not gonna let it justify their terribleness as people. Cause they're horrible. <laughs> so don't get attached or feel sympathy they're for so any of these layers. people. <laughs> to the onion that is this story like there's so many things like there's like cults and music and murder and the beach boys so many things that i did didn't expect to hear yeah ever okay. hollywood's right. wild that is wild. these people are like the wild wild west with no sheriffs over here so now we have patricia krenwinkel that's an interesting that's name. a name and she's born in 1947. Um, she grows up as an overweight child, bullied author at high school. At one point, she considers becoming a nun, decides against it, and attends a Jesuit college out in California, but she drops out after one semester. She meets Manson, and she begins having a very heavily sexual relationship with him. So, like, Ooh. clearly, she is going to do everything he tells her to do. Not a nun. Not a nun. <laughs> Love all the nuns out there, but... She wasn't one of you. Not a nun. <laughs> okay, so now we have Charles Watson, and this is like our last main character. Um, and so he's born in 1945. 
he's the only one not originally from California. He actually comes from Texas, which is why he's often referred to as Tex. I can only assume. They didn't tell me that on the internet, but I can assume that that's where the Tex comes from. And so he attended college, joins a fraternity, gets a job at an airline as a baggage handler in 67, and then eventually uses that airline to fly out to California where he meets Manson. Um, Because originally he meets the women, and, you know, I guess he thought they were all cute and was like, let me go home with you. (laughs) And then he met Manson, and Manson was like, bro, I got drugs. You want to stay? And Tex was like, yeah. Again, that's not what the internet says, but I just picture the conversation happening that way. Because it's the 60s and 70s. Let's talk about the summer of 1969. Okay. Which, if you ask Rick Springfield, was a great time. But if you ask these people, not so fun. This takes place right after Charles fails to get FaceTime with Melcher. Who works for Columbia Records. So he's very angry. He's very mad. Um, And he decides, since he can't get a record contract, that he is going to start a race war instead. Where we got the jump from? I don't know. You'd think he could just, like, go out on the streets and play his guitar and get attention that way. What is this? Okay, so what is the time frame between these two events? Between the whole thing with the dude at Columbia Records and then this race war? That he wants to start. Um, probably within a month or okay. two months. Um, Does he know all of these other people at this time that you've mentioned? Yes. Okay. They've uh, they've been followers for like roughly two years at this point. Oh. Um, now it is important to note that they've. It's been stated that they are credited with like around a hundred ish murders and crimes from this time period, but these two particular nights in August of 69 are the most infamous things that they ever did. And so that's why I picked these two. So August, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) August 8th, it's for everyone listening. If you are listening, it's going to get gory. Um, This one's particularly violent. So apologies in advance. This is your warning. Um, August um, 8th, Charles orders his followers to go to Tommy Melcher's house at 150 CeeLo Drive and kill everyone he doesn't care who it is he just wants everyone to die that's there thinking that this is melcher's house but unbeknownst to charles manson the current residents were not the melchers in fact they were sharon tate and roman polanski who sharon tate is an actress at the time um and roman polanski is a director and so on the evening of august 8th and in the early morning of august 9th Sharon Tate is hosting a small group of friends who were having this dinner party and like drinks and they were just hanging out and so our guests are Jay Seabrig um Wajak Farowski Frykowski probably said that wrong um his girlfriend Abigail Folger it's important to note at the time Sharon Tate was eight months pregnant with a little boy Shortly before midnight four members of the Manson family decide to go to the house and so you have Susan Atkins, Patricia Kenwinkle, Kren Winkle, Linda Caspian, and Charles Watson, or Tex. So those are your four characters for this incident. Um, and so uh, the first victim actually was the 18-year-old. Um, this 18-year-old uh, boy, he was visiting the groundskeeper, um, and he was shot brutally, like, outside the house. Like, he was getting in his car, and people just shot him a few times. Um, 
And so, supposedly, Caspian was just watching outside. She was like the watchman. So she didn't say she actively participated. I don't know how much I believe of that one because they all seem pretty crazy to me. Hmm. Yeah. And so, groundskeeper's friend is dead outside in his car. And then they go inside and the first person to really get like the wrath of everybody is Frevkowski. And he's kicked in the head and he tell and Tex is standing above him and he says, I'm the devil and I'm here to do the devil's work. Yeah. I don't like that. It's wild. And so then at this point they get everybody up in the house. So you have Sharon, Abigail, and Jay. And they tie them all up in the living room. And so they're all tied, individually tied up, and then they're all tied together by these ropes around their necks. Seabrig is, like, trying to defend Tate because she's pregnant. And Tate's, you know, begging. She's like, hey, like, just let me have the baby. And then, like, you can you, like, you can keep me helicopter here for a month. And then, like, you can kill me afterwards. Just, like, let me give birth. Uh-huh. And so then Jay Seabrig is shot in the neck uh, or uh- shot in, like, the shoulder neck area right here by Tex, and he lives through this moment, Um, and then, unfortunately, is stabbed seven times because he lived through the being shot. Um, And so he is dead, unfortunately. Tex sounds like a scary guy. Yeah. I'm just thinking, like, real intimidating. I mean, I don't know. There's a picture out there somewhere. (laughs) I'm just, that's what I'm picturing. Mm. He's a little scrawny. Really? But I think he was just so doped out on drugs that he was crazy and could do anything. He had that, like, LSD push. Um, And so now Fred Kosky manages to get out of his ropes, and he tries to attack Susan Atkins. Um, She stabs him in the legs. He manages to get away from her and, like, runs outside. And then Casbian comes in. So she's standing watch outside, hears all of this happening, comes in, and is like, hey, let's not do this. But I don't know, again, how much of an effort she put into that. Because it all happened still. Mm. I think if she really wanted to stop it, she could. But I think she was a loyal follower to Manson. And Manson gave them explicit instructions. Um, And so she's trying to rationalize with them. Meanwhile, Tex is outside running after Frykowski. And... He knocks him out with the butt of his gun, and ultimately he shoots and he stabs him. Um, And so back inside, Abigail Folger escapes the window, um, but Krenwinkel starts chasing her, wrestles her to the ground. She stabs Folger several times. Tex comes up to the pair, realizes that Abigail is still alive, and so he stabs her um, 28 times at minimum. And now this is, again, trigger warning. Probably the most devastating part. Um, Sharon Tate has around 16 stab wounds to her body. Um, five that could have been the fatal stabbing. And they also killed her unborn baby. Uh-huh. A horrible, horrible situation. Um, so very unwarranted. Um, but for the finishing touch to the scene that Manson gave specific instructions for, Susan Atkins wrote out the word pig in Sharon Tate's blood on the wall. Um, Intentionally, Uh, again, their whole goal in this is to try to spark a race war. um, I think they were just overly brutal for no reason. So now, August 10th, which is a day later, 
Um, the news is obviously broken. You know, they find the housekeeper finds the body a few hours after everybody leaves, and it's like Hollywood is just shook because this is Hollywood was supposed to be invincible, I guess, and just a place for like happy endings and dreams. excitement. Yeah, yeah, dreams. You know, Hollywood was picturesque, and now you have four very influential people dead in a very brutal way. And so August 10th, the four members from the previous night, plus Charles Manson and Van Houten, go for a drive around California. And apparently, Manson was not pleased with the murders from the night before. I don't know what he... 28 times wasn't enough? (laughs) Apparently not. Apparently not. And so he tells Linda, geez, Linda, to drive to a house at 3301 Waverly Drive. And this house belongs to um, known supermarketed executives, Leno LaBianca and his wife, Rosemary. According to the members, Manson goes up the driveway alone at first, and then he comes back a little bit later, and he goes, hey, I got the people tied up inside. Go in and kill them. And so they do, because they're all terrible people. And so Tex goes into the living room, and he stabs Leno with a chrome-plated bayonet. Um, And the girls go in the bedroom to take care of Rosemary. And Tex is, like, hearing this scuffle in the bedroom, so he knows there's a struggle. Uh, uh, And he goes in, and he witnesses Rosemary swinging a lamp at the girls. So she's resourceful. She's trying to get out of this, as one would, you know, fight or flight. um, And so uh, then he stabs her with the same bayonet that he stabbed her husband with. Um, Which... Of all things to be stabbed with, I think a bayonet kind of is brutal. Because you're at a distance and they're just like stabbing you. Right. He's he horrible. Um, okay, and so then he goes Tex goes back into the living room, finishes off Leno. In total, Leno has twelve stab wounds. Um, and to make it worse, he carves the word war. Carves the word war into Leno's stomach. Again, trying to incite this race oh. war because now they're attacking Hispanics. His goal was a failure, ultimately, which is, like, the bright side. This is horrible. Yeah. Um, and a horrible way to try to accomplish something like this. Yeah. And so then, meanwhile, in the bedroom, Krenwinkle is stabbing Rosemary. Van Houten stabs her. And then nobody really knows who killed her because they all three, at one point or another, stabbed her. And so the autopsy report proved... Um, or stated that she had 41 stab wounds inflicted after she was already dead. So the total amount of stab wounds that she had Um, was too many to count at one point. Like, they just stopped counting. um, And um, so then Krenwinkle wrote the words, Rise, Death to the Pigs, and Helter Skelter all around the LaBianca's house in blood. And she gave Leno 14 puncture wounds with a carving knife. Uh, which she left sitting in his stomach and then put a steak knife in his throat. And so the initial plan was to go after this and murder another actor in Venice. Um, but it doesn't happen because Linda intentionally knocks on the wrong door. So I guess Linda, of all of them, is the best one. Is the best one. Yeah. All terrible, still terrible, but she intentionally goes to the wrong door. Asked to not have anyone else die that night. Well, like um, she's got a little bit more humility. And he, I'm not humility, humanity than. Yeah. Wow. 
Yeah. She's, um, she's crazy. And they all get arrested fairly soon after these take place, these two nights, these murders. Um, and so Susan initially confesses to the murder, um, to her cellmate while in jail, but later blames Tex, particularly talking about murdering Sharon Tate, um, and so later on down the road, Tex ultimately does confess and say that Susan never touched Sharon Tate and it was all him. So if you look at it, Tex or Charles Watson was really the only person that killed anybody in the house on CeeLo Drive. Um, the girls did kill Rosemary, but Tex is the only one that ultimately killed anybody in, the, in CeeLo Drive. So he is the worst. And so... The trial happens. Obviously, they all get found guilty. I think they all ultimately confessed and said that Charles told them to do it. And so, they initially get the death penalty. Okay. All of them. California said, I ain't playing with you. We're not doing this. You're all going to die. Unfortunately, though, a year later, there uh, is another trial in California. And the California Supreme Court states that the death penalty is inhumane and they're not going to do it anymore. And so all of the death penalty cases what? from yeah, all the death penalty cases from years previous are commuted and they spend the rest of their life in prison. I just don't really understand that because yeah, no you don't want anybody to die, but they killed several people. Yeah. And we're like completely oh, intentional. Horrible people. Too. Yeah. Like yeah. It's just about it you know and it's just it's just crazy but at the same time i mean it was also good that they had to rot in jail i mean and, and have to live yeah with that i agree i can care i think the the craziest part to me is that so this only took place 52 years ago if uh. you sit down and like into the math uh. so all but two of these people are still alive and in jail and still asking for parole they're not getting it but they're asking Wow. I think they should take a hint and know that they're not going to get it. Okay, so Charles Manson, who never actually murdered anybody that we know of, um, simply told his people to do it for him, is in jail. And in 2017, um, on November 19th, he dies of cardiac, cardiac arrest um, resulting from respiratory failure and colon cancer. So he's dead. And I don't think anybody cried about it. And that was a lot of like body problems it was like colon his lungs didn't work right lungs your colon your heart all of these different things that's crazy yes no no only two of them have died so far only two have died yeah so manson and susan died susan Um, is the one that actually was convicted of sharon tate's murder specifically um she uh, expressed a lot of remorse in jail after it happened, after she finally got out of the grasp of Charles Manson. Um, she got denied parole, obviously, but she did die of cancer in 2009. So she's dead, too. That's crazy. Um, yeah, and so Leslie Van Houten, she, at the age of 19, became the youngest female to ever be charged with the death penalty. And so she's specifically charged in connection to the LaBianca's death. Um, she's been denied parole 20 times, most recently requesting it in January of 2020. Um, she hasn't shown no remorse uh, for what happened those nights. 
Um, and she consistently blames Manson for her actions. So she's not taking responsibility. responsibility. And blames everything on him. Which I somewhat understand the blame being on Manson, but bro, you did it too. <laughs> you were not that brainwashed. Okay, mm-hmm. you did it too. Patricia has been denied parole more than a dozen times. So probably around 15, a couple of sources said. Um, but she also puts the blame on Manson, stating that he was abusing her before the murder started occurring, which she was the one that was having the sexual relationship with him. So, like... That's the one that wanted to be a nun, right? Yeah. Times, how, look I how mean, times change. There was most likely he probably had blackmail on them or or something. Something made them... How are you so loyal to this man? Right. Like, yeah. I don't understand. So, again, like, I get it. I, under, I could see the point of view that he was abusing her in some in some way. Um, but you still did it too, ma'am. Yeah. And so, now, <laughs> now we have Charles Watson, who arguably is the worst one. Yes. Um, in all of this. And he, <laughs> he makes me laugh because he's serving out this life sentence in prison but in an odd turn of events, is now a licensed minister um, because he happen. found Jesus. <laughs> it can happen. And I'm uh, just trying to figure out, like, if uh, people meet him so as, like, right. a minister but know who he is, you know? Like, yeah. do you know what he did? <laughs> Not saying it, it doesn't happen because it does for sure, but it just makes me laugh. <laughs> Because the switch flipped. Because you at one point said you were the devil. Doing yeah. the devil's work. People, he anyways. also has a business degree. And the internet thought it was important to tell me that. What a, um... Okay. Right? It's... <laughs> what an odd turn of events. It's funny. Oh, like, gosh. It's this... It's like... This is a, like a cosmic joke of epic proportion. That... So like, it, do you marry people? You murdered people. What the heck? So does, like... Um, no, not really. Linda doesn't go to jail. She got a deal, um, because she rolled on everybody. She was the nice one. Yeah. Kind of, a little bit. She, she was, she definitely was the one that was more in touch with humanity and not mm-hmm. these psychotic ideals and, like, planned to start a race war. Well, she probably told Manson what he wanted to hear. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm sure they kinda, all did. Yeah. But it was, it was a wild time. Um. And so, unfortunately, Roman Polanski, who was the husband of Sharon Tate, uh, has yet to be back to the to America. I don't remember exactly where he was when all of this takes place, but he was out of the country filming, doing his job. And there were some sexual assault charges brought against him right around the same time. And so, he wasn't allowed to come back to America. So, he's never been to the grave of his wife and their child um, that he never got to meet. That's crazy. Yeah, he's still alive. He's still kicking. Wow. This one was really interesting. Yeah. There were just so many pieces to it. You really had my attention when you said DJ. Boys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because, like, before I got married, I listened to a lot of Beach Boys. Because they just have those, I don't know, young love it's a Yeah, songs. it's a vibe. Um, it really is. The Beach Boys are a vibe. They really are. And then it's it's weird because 
the song that they have that he helped write is like nowhere to be found. Like I'm pretty sure they just like got erased it completely. And I think they erased the Helter Skelter one too because, I mean, I get it. Mm-hmm. You now have it tainted forever by these horrific murders. Yeah, there's a debate on the internet on if we can really blame the Beach Boy guy, Dennis Wilson, for this whole event. And I just kind of feel like that's a little harsh. Like, blaming him is harsh? Yeah, because he didn't get him the meeting. Like, he took the song and... He shouldn't have took the song. But at the same time, I don't know how that would drive him to want to discover racial of people. Yeah, I don't either. How 28 times of stabbing someone is not enough, but 42 sufficed, barely. Yeah. Well, that was so, so interesting. Yeah. It was not a fun summer of 1969 (laughs) for these people. (laughs) Yeah. But anyways, thanks for listening in on episode three here. Um, That was really interesting. Thank you, Sarah. You're welcome. And uh, we will be back. We will be back. You will not see us, but you hear us (laughs) (laughs) next month. Now it's monthly instead of biweekly, so every month will be life is crazy so um, yeah but yeah thank y'all for listening and we will see y'all next month (laughs) i wonder what we'll talk about (laughs) me either i guess i gotta start researching it'll be a lighter yeah stories with a lot of layers oh i think i've got one in my head oh yeah i got it it's gonna be good all right (laughs) we all hear about that next month adios adios